Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. A pleasant and fine Thursday afternoon to you. It is Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you. Thanks for letting us be on board with you. Whatever you are up to today, we are certainly happy to be there on your radios, on your internet. Speaking of, you're looking for us on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You go there, you listen live on the stream. The stream is available all the time. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You can also go ahead and pick us up on the... uh, on the phone line, 361-3688, the phone number here. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. In the show today, this is going to be a fun show today. I'm excited about the show today. Tons to get to. Uh, Coulter wanted to have a conversation about how we consume athletes in terms of fame and the way that the media has changed things and maybe the way that uh, uh, not the media, but media in general, social media, the Internet and all that has changed things and overlay particularly LeBron James and Michael Jordan, especially up against what is going on with the uh, the big series, The Last Dance, episodes five and six, by the way, out Sunday evening. Can't wait for that. Here in about 25 minutes from now, really looking forward to this, Mike Petrino, the uh, interim head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz women's basketball team, going to join us live on the show. It has been uh, a tumultuous couple of months within the program, but Mike Petrino now the head coach and ready and prepared to go forward, especially on the day when they announce a brand new transfer into the uh, Montana Lady Grizz program officially. So we will get his his thoughts on all kinds of stuff, maybe even the last dance as well with Coach Pacino. We'll talk with him here coming up in about 25 minutes from now. At the top of the hour, Sammy Akem, wide receiver for the Montana Grizzly football team, had a great opportunity to uh, connect with uh, Mr. Akem this afternoon, and uh, we'll bring you that interview at the top of the hour. A lot of fun there. And a bunch of other stuff going on. What's going on with NFL free agency quarterbacks is the uh, Bengals release Andy Dalton. Maybe no surprise there. Maybe a slight surprise there. So he's back on the market. This coming shortly after Jameis Winston finally gets on with the team uh, in the uh, New Orleans Saints. And obviously Cam Newton still hanging out there for somebody uh, to go ahead and get with. Also, the SWX 
Osprey Baseball watch party is tonight. It's the Paddleheads, yes, but the game is an Osprey game uh, from last season against the Billings Mustangs at 7 o'clock on SWX Television, so we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Hi, Coulter. How are you over there, my man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm just fine myself. I appreciate it very much. Look, we... Are, are we... Can people see us? No. No? Okay. I was just wondering. You got a beautiful shirt on, I know. Though. I did. I dressed up today. Pink and blue and the whole thing. There's pink in there, huh? I didn't you, know that. Remarkable. Just remarkable. You and your inability to see color and to see in general is I, truly I mean, it's enjoyable. A tr- it's, it's, but this is a, it's a true disability. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a flaw of no, sorts. No, it's not a flaw. It's a disability. I was born without specific things in my eyes. Right. That That is a flaw. Is sure. it not a flaw? I mean, I guess. I mean, it's not your... It's not a character flaw, but it's, you know, not by design. <laughs> in fact, it's a character definer. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. It is. Maybe so. Uh Look, we don't have a ton of time no, here uh, because we're, we're looking forward to having Coach Petrino on with us here in just a little bit. But I know you and I were talking off air and thinking about the show, and you were, as you've been watching The Last Dance and thinking about the level of fame that Michael Jordan occupied over and against the level of fame that others have occupied, the, the closest comp today obviously would be LeBron James. We're talking about the sport and the athlete, and he is uh, still the foremost superstar in basketball today. Uh, And so, you know, talking about that stuff and the way things have shifted and changed, and I thought there was a couple interesting elements in that, and I've had a couple more thoughts, but I'll let you kind of set the table on this thing and and, and bring people into the conversation that we were having. Well, I think that a lot of times the debate of greatness is one of the great debates that we have in any sort of commentary when it comes to the sporting world. And it's particularly apt and particularly heated when it comes to basketball, because I think that defining the tiers of the all time greatest players in basketball is easier than in the other sports, because it's not about statistics as much as it is just about persona and winning. And I think that there's, there would be no – if you and I would agree fully on the top 12 basketball players of all time, I think we'd agree, agree fully of the three tiers those guys occupied, we would only then argue about the order of the top tier. And the thing, though, that I find so amazing about this Last Dance documentary is the stark reminder – of the phenomenon that Michael Jordan was. Mm. Not the basketball player, the phenomenon right. yeah. that Michael Jordan was. And you know, you can talk about the scoring attributes and the dunk contest and the wonderful athleticism, but to me, the megawatt smile, the unwavering positive personality, the way that he carried himself all the time, the, the way that he truly embraced fame from 1991 through 1998, I don't think that anybody in the on the planet would have denied that Michael Jordan was the coolest dude on the on the block. Yeah, He's absolutely. the coolest guy around. Right. But then you talk about then the way the state of the world at the time, the way that the media was operating at the time, and um, just some of the confluence of events as well. I mean, for Phil Knight to create the waffle sneaker that became the ASIC shoe, but then decide we're going to go into basketball, and then to Peg Jordan, and then to, for Nike and Jordan to rise simultaneously, and the Jordan brand and the legend that goes with it, and the marketing that goes with it, amazing. But then you bring in Gatorade too; it takes off at the exact same time that Michael Jordan does. Now all of a sudden, you have two of the biggest, most globally recognized products endorsed by the most globally recognized person. 
So in all of those things will never be replicated, and they add to Jordan's legacy. It's part of why he is yeah. the greatest, because he truly was a worldwide ambassador, not only for sports, but for American pop culture. That in itself is fascinating. But then you take the LeBron James scenario. When LeBron James was, he's only a year older than I am. When he was on TV in high school, I thought to myself, wow, we're going to be watching high school kids on TV on ESPN for the next 20 years. That hasn't been the case. Right. I mean, he, there, yeah, an all-star game here or there. Right, but, but he was like a singular phenomenon where you had December games of LeBron James yeah, on TV. Yeah. That's the phenomenon. And to put, the, to put him on the spotlight, to put him on the cover of Sports Illustrated, he's 15 years old, and watch his being anointed, basically, as the second coming, but then to watch him navigate it without really faltering whatsoever. I mean, he's had a couple missteps, but nothing like so many great athletes. So I think each of their legacies when it comes to the, the persona that it, they are – are unique, they will never be replicated, and I don't think you can decide one is better than the other, but you have to acknowledge that it goes into who these guys are. But then I just got to thinking about a lot of the ways that Jordan was protected because of the persona that he had, because of the marketability of him. He was protected in a lot of ways. He was protected by the NBA. He was protected by himself. He's one of the first guys to determine that I am a brand and I'm going to protect this brand at absolutely all cost. But then he was also protected because of his own grace with the media, dozens of people that covered the NBA, from Jackie McMullen to Sam Smith to you know Bob Ryan, all the way down the line, they'll all tell you Michael Jordan would sit with me forever. He would sit yeah. with, sit down with me whenever I wanted. We could sit at the hotel bar, whatever. But then I also think that there was a lot of times where then the media protected Jordan. They didn't go after him as hard as a lot of superstars, and that's what you and I then got to talking about was how when Jordan in 1995 there was not a first take and a you know, all these commentary right. talk shows right, right. where you have to have content. Make no mistake, there's multiple people that are on this platform, on ESPN Radio, that have taken the I'm going to tear down LeBron and tell the world why he's not as good as Michael Jordan stance for two decades mm-hmm. and made a career out of it. But I just think it muddles then the fact is, I mean, Jordan was so unbelievably beloved. LeBron is beloved, but also widely hated. Mm-hmm. Jordan never had to experience that. So I just think it's so fascinating to compare and contrast the way that the world is, the way that the media works, the way that the media did work in terms of the reputation that we we hold these guys yeah, to. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there, and I think there's there's a lot that's that, that's really good thoughts. One thing when it comes to the, the, the way that the media treated Michael and vice versa, I mean, he... Not for all media, but when you were in with Michael Jordan, then you were good to go. Like you said, Jackie McMullen, I mean, you're 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 hanging out. Uh, Ahmad Rashad, I, I think, is still to this day one of Michael Jordan's close friends. I yep. mean, inside the inner circle. Yep. And and so that stuff, by the way, isn't unique necessarily to Michael Jordan. I mean, we talked about the fact that Jay Glazer was the guy who introduced Michael Strahan into the into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he, that's, that's right. the type of friendship that became out of what was a working professional reporter, athlete, right. uh, uh, you know, uh, dynamic. But the other thing, too, is at the time that Michael Jordan existed, the reporters were sports, the sports reporters, we're there to report on sports and nothing else. And there was sure. an understanding that this is what we do. And if Michael Jordan is going to be out till 4 a.m. doing, you know, sitting at the craps table or whatever it is, the fact that he's allowing me to be with him is, you know, a give on his part. And the give on my part is I'm going to talk about the sports that Michael Jordan does and nothing other. Now we have these entities that exist tmz sports exists only to see you at the crafts table and not at all to see you as an athlete or whatsoever and by the way that even if tmz you know you could think what you want about them 
every Joe Schmo with his phone in his. If 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 I walked into a casino at 3 a.m. and I saw LeBron James, you better believe I'd be like, hey, check this out. Now I don't think people necessarily would fault them at this point, but heaven knows that Michael Jordan at 5 a.m. getting in a cab to maybe get a couple hours of sleep before the basketball game would would have changed the way a lot of people thought about him in the moment, and you never saw that until after the fact. I mean, Michael Jordan played so much golf in the Phoenix desert during the NBA Finals that he literally got sunburned. And then that's what the last episode was all about when they were talking about the 93 Finals. This guy played 36 holes of golf before then reporting to the NBA Finals, and he, and he comes into the game, and everybody's like, what's up, MJ? He's like, you know, I'm, I'm sunburned, I'm tired, what's going on? But then at 25, 27 years later, it's added to his legend, and that's the part where I think it's so hypocritical. We've held LeBron James under this amazing microscope for 17 years. He's never wavered, not once really, in terms of you know off the court, behind the public eye type stuff. Never, not once. But yet if he ever did, we would crucify him and kill him compared to Michael Jordan where it was kept under wraps. And if you knew, you knew. You thought it was funny. If you didn't know, you didn't know. And now it's used to en- enhance and accentuate his legacy. Well, but the, the, no, the difference though is is that that had that been known at that time in a in a macrocosmic way to the masses, he would have been killed on a bunch of that stuff. But you just didn't know. Whereas Le- Le- LeBron, we, you know, we he's he's done an unbelievable job of understanding where and when and sure. how to be. But th- this is a great example of how the culture is changed in terms of us as a society, the way that we consume this stuff. Harken back to, I believe it was the 1992 Eastern Conference Finals. There was paparazzi waiting for Jordan to leave the casino Absolutely. in Atlantic City. Yeah. And then the New York Post r- ran that story, Michael Jordan out until 4.30 in the morning gambling. The collective public killed the New York Post for that, not Michael Jordan. Right. Why would you do this? Why are you in this guy's personal life? Get out of his personal life. If he performs well on the court, that's all we care about. Mm-hmm. And that's used to be how we thought about everything. Stay out of my personal life. Now it's like, oh, there was the one story about how LeBron James and Dwayne Wade went to the club and bought like $180,000 worth of, of alcohol after they won the NBA championship. It's like, well, first of all, of course they did. Of course <laughs> they did. But second of all, that's none of our business. Who cares? Right. They're best friends that just accomplished the greatest professional accomplishment of their lives together. We would all celebrate. It's not news for us to know that about each other. I just think it's it's interesting. But that, were they? I mean, were, were they? Uh, there knowing, was nothing knowing that and being neg- having that be a negative thing are two different things, right? I mean, it wasn't sure. A, it's not anything that any. I think too many people were like. I mean, maybe you go. Well, really, that much money is that what you're going to do? But you know, that, that okay. well, they, right? But that's the whole thing I'm getting at, though, is that we somehow figure out a way to spin almost everything in some sort of either polarizing and or inherently negative fashion. And that just, that just drives me so crazy. Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't know how different I mean, ju- that judge is. Judge less, you, at least you, you be judged, right? Like, if Michael Jordan, the, the the story that they told in the last Last Dance episode where he went and played 36 holes of golf and then he comes in and he's tired and, you know, he's been in the sun all day and, what, and they're all asking him, well, he scored 54 points that night. So... Who cares what he did? In fact, I think it's hilarious that the guy could play 36 holes of golf and then still score 55 points. Yes. I, I just I just wonder so much. I, I just think that Jordan 100% deserves the reputation that he has. He 100% deserves it. But I just think, and I, and I do also think that 
as a basketball-watching public, we have also gravitated away from this obsession with finding the next Jordan. You remember this vividly, right? When Michael Jordan retired in 1998, it, it was like the thing in the media and in the way that basketball was covered to find the next Jordan. Yeah, we the, tried. The next Jordan was was the next the next uh, uh, torchbearer for the NBA, not sure. so much about the next guy, but there was never going, like you said, I mean, there's never going to be that guy again. But think about some of the guys that that was pinned on for a brief moment and the way that it negatively impacted their careers. I mean, I would say that Vince Carter, Grant Hill, both those guys went through this thing where they were supposed to take it. That's why, but th- this is the Kobe Bryant saga is so fascinating too, because Kobe Bryant didn't have it early in his career because he came in the NBA so young and he was vocal about wanting it. Mm-hmm. And then when he got it, he made as good of a run as anybody's ever made. And he doesn't get enough credit for it, in my personal opinion, because everybody just says, well, he was not Jordan. He's not Jordan. He's not Jordan. He's not Jordan. He has Shaq. He has this. He has that. And I just, I man, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm saying is I've long held the thought that I 100% agree with the level of reverence that Michael Jordan as an athlete and as a pop culture icon is remembered for I 100% believe it and love it I just think that there's a lot of guys that have come a lot closer than people give them credit for and a lot of times it's because you don't analyze their stories from a unique perspective you analyze it through the lens of the Jordan perspective and I just think in a lot of ways that's just very unfair yeah I mean each guy I think needs to be uh, uh, you you need to have as sort of "Quote unquote objective and analysis of a, of a guy for his own sake, whoever that is, not in you know relation. Well, he's not as good as this guy. Kobe ain't Jordan, whatever it is. But also, if you're going to do the compare, like that's what comparing is at the end. Like how who's who's the greatest of all time? That whole conversation is only trying to match guys up against one another and see how they stack up and why. And and that is, I mean, it is a unique conversation to basketball, though, because right. basketball is the one sport where, even though there's positions and you got, especially going back to the big men versus the guards and that right. kind of thing, everybody does everything. You play offense, you play defense, you can be all this different stuff, whereas right. it's just, it doesn't really work that way in basically any other sport. Right. I mean, yeah, we're not going to sit here and scream at each other about who's greater, Reggie White or Ed Reed, right? Right. We're not going to sit here and argue over Walter Payton versus Brett Favre. I mean, it just, it, it has has to be positional in, in, in football. football. And I yeah. guess that I, I didn't know what my actual thesis of this was, but I think that when we are analyzing this stuff, that's what we need to think of it as not positions, but moments in time, analyze each guy based on their specific moment in time. Because to me, to me in the modern era, since magic Johnson, and Larry bird changed the NBA and brought it to the forefront and made it pop, really nationally popular. There's only three guys. It's Michael Jordan, it's Kobe Bryant, and it's LeBron James. Yes. But I think that if you were to truly bring in all the factors around their legend, around their coverage, around their hype, around their machine, you would realize that if you were to really check the boxes all the way across the board, that they're actually probably even well, in a lot of ways because of the different unique circumstances that they had to endure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be as many similarities. There's going to be as many differences, if not more, as there are similarities when it's, you know, in terms of th- what changed and especially what changed about the world when they played. If you want to distill it down to just basketball, I think you can do that. And then it becomes, you know, one of those conversations, one of those debates. One more point yeah. on this conversation. But then I, have, I want to ask you a question. I know we're getting up close to it, but 
one one more point is that you, we've talked a lot about the mass media and the rise of the mass media, the ma- the rise of cable TV, mm-hmm. and that goes hand in hand with the rise of some of the mo- people that attained the greatest fame that the world has ever seen. Whether it's Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Princess Diana, Mike Tyson, these people became more instantly globally famous than anybody in human history. You and I were talking about this earlier. There's way more ability to access avenues of the media and find media that is about humans now. But because there's so many more outlets and ways to do it, people don't become so singularly famous. I just think that, like you and I were talking about, there will never be another situation on in the globe. I, I guess you can never say never, but it would it will be incredibly rare if we find another situation on the globe where, like, you could have found in circa 1991, where you could go to a place on the planet, say in Africa or say in East Asia, where there's it's a third world country. There's no running water. There's no electricity. There's no anything. Yet you could find some sort of relic, whether it be a t-shirt or a hat or a shoe to Michael Jordan. And you might be able to hear one cassette tape in the entire village, Michael Jackson's Thriller. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, the Internet has basically ensured that something like that won't happen again. And it was remarkable, the reach that was there uh, from from those two in particular, but from the sports standpoint for Michael Jordan. I want to circle back around because I have a question for you. I want you to think about this because I know we got to get out to Mike Petrino. Maybe we can ask him this as well. But here's my premise of this question is that I've been watching – Basketball Love Story, which is these little vignettes all about the history of basketball. Yep. It's it's I think it's a total of 80 episodes long. Each one's only like 8 to 10 minutes long, but it's mm-hmm. like 80 episodes long, plus the last dance. So during quarantine times, I've been really binging on the, the historical basketball. I want to ask you what you think of these old-time players and how they'd fit in the game. So think about that. Okay. These specifically, specifically, like I mean, right now, just through the lens of the last dance, you're seeing highlights of Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas. It's my thought that the best guys from 1960 through now would still be the best guys. I, I was just going to say the the best guys would be would still be the best guys. I totally agree with you. That said, the guys they are playing against, right? The, the average, the right. the, the the level of average NBA player right. is. It's just it's astronomically better than what the average NBA player in the 70s was or even in the 90s. The, the, The part where they were showing the 93 finals where they just got Dan Marley on an island guarding Michael Jordan. I looked up Dan Marley's resume from that year. He was second team all NBA. He was first team all NBA defense and he was an all star. Michael Jordan is just cooking this dude. He's just killing him. Of course he is. It's Michael Jordan. (laughs) I know. I know. know. But, like, in this day and age, at least he would be guarded by, like, Andre Iguodala or, you know, Clay Thompson or, you know, somebody that has a a chance. I mean, this was was no chance. This was Dan Marley is stuck in concrete and Michael Jordan is just destroying this guy. It's like me defending anybody I've ever defended. It's 2 Tell and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We'll take a break. On the other side, the interim head coach of the Montana women's basketball team, Mike Petrino, is going to join us, talk about the new transfer that the Lady Grizz have gotten, his perspective on this, uh, the future going into the offseason and then around a corner into next year as the head coach of the team right after this. 
At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. Hope you're having a fantastic day. We certainly are. We appreciate you being there. And we are uh, happy now to go to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in the uh, brand new interim head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz basketball team, Mike Petrino. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time and being with us. How are you today? Uh, doing well. Thanks, guys, for having me. This is a, a great thrill to an exciting week here. Yeah, well, I appreciate we're certainly... you letting me uh, join you guys. Well, it's I, hey, anytime the door is open, man. You kidding me? We're happy to have you. We appreciate <laughs> it very much. Now, we got to ask you, we were just talking, Jordan, LeBron, last dance, the whole thing. You're a basketball oh. guy. When you're looking at this thing, what do you what do you think? I, I am loving every single minute of it. I mean, I have uh, – I'll be. Everyone's talking about what they're binge watching um, during this uh, unfortunate time, and I can tell you that the only thing I've been binge watching prior to that was just film, trying to find players. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a thing called Synergy that we've been. Uh, our whole staff has been watching that continuously. Uh, get a name, try to find out our, our huddle or whatever film we could. And uh, the close thing was, I guess there's a Disney show that's on all the time with my daughter. That I, I feel like I, I don't binge watch it, but it's in the background. Um, but when the last dance came on, I've taped them all and I've watched it uninterrupted, you know, sometime in the middle of the night and I've enjoyed them so much. I think it's fascinating. Don't you guys, I think it just brings back so many memories. Oh, it brings back so many. How memories. different was the game back then? The, the game was so different back then. The low scores, the physical talent, you know, the physical play, it was just, it was just different. Absolutely different. And I think of, of yourself and a lot of people in the coaching ranks in each of the four episodes that I've watched this first because of just the way that the game has truly evolved because I do think that the toughness and the competitiveness was absolutely second to none back then but then you watch just the simple things like defensive rotations and they did not have that kind of mm-hmm. stuff down whatsoever but the other thing I always think of and I think of about coaches and I always think about discussions I've had with you know we you know Travis DeCure, Danny Sprinkle you know guys that are division one coaches in this state and we're always talking about transfers. We're always talking about transfers in, transfers out. But all I keep thinking when I'm watching this last dance is that mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman all endured incredible failures during their lives. And that's what made them some of the greatest players ever. And I, just, I, I think of the coaches because I just know that you guys wish you could convey that to young people so much sometimes. That's a great point. And I think that, uh, you know, they definitely – came in and I, I love when they talk about Jordan's freshman year, how he was inconsistent, but he was a great competitor. And, you know, we talk about practice today, uh, you know, practices are competitive. That's what you want, right? As a coach, that's, I think players enjoy competitive practices. And, um, you know, today, a lot of the kids, when they get to college, they actually play more games than they practice sometimes. Right. right. That's the whole circuit in the summer. They, they just go from game to game to game. Well, after a while, they're not as special. So the whole competitive thing, 
uh, you know, and, and Jordan, the fact that he just kept getting beat up by the same team in front of him and just kept coming back, got stronger, and definitely had a, uh, a thing he wanted to do, and he wanted to beat him. He didn't want to just, you know, they say join another super team, and uh, that's been fascinating. That's been fascinating. I'll tell you what else has been fascinating is that you guys are sports fans like me your whole life. You know, the great quote from Roman history, uh, all empires are destroyed from within, right? I mean, the role of ego in this, how they couldn't make it work, and we saw it happening against the Lakers, and, you know, who knows down the road we'll hear stories of the Patriots and their eventual whatever, but, you know, it, sometimes teams that, you got, you got to you got to fight that right. You got to fight that ego, yeah. uh, getting along and, and working together. Well, no, when Tutel Nuanas falls apart, it will be Tutel for sure. The ego, <laughs> the ego it, it'll be from the way. This is where this is where it all goes sideways. Mike Petrino joining us, interim head coach of the Montana women's basketball team, the Lady Grizz. And coach uh, uh, officially announced, I guess today, but Hannah Thurman, a six-one wing uh, from Three Rivers College in Missouri, of all places. So tell us about the yeah. player, but also, but, but go, going, you know, not just out of state, but to really a different region of the country to find her. How, how did that come about? Well, first of all, I gotta give great credit to our staff. You know, uh, uh, Jordan Sullivan, Nate Colville, Jay Sanderson, and I—we uh, worked really hard on all the kids. For there was a great three-week stretch there. We were talking every day. Um, uh, Jordan had a connection. Jordan Sullivan had a connection. Uh, we knew about her, and then we all watched film on her, and we all agreed, man, this kid is—you um, know—someone we really like. Now, we weren't the only ones because. She got flooded with calls. She was already committed to a Division One school. She was flooded with calls when she got out of her uh, NLI, and uh, we were one of them. And we just kept being persistent. And you know, I think the fact that we all had conversations with her one on one, we had group co- talks with her. Um, you know, we had to be out multiple Division One schools. And you know, with our situation, it's just been a perfect storm of adversity for us, right? You you have this uh, unplanned, unexpected thing occur in a program, and next thing you know, you're you're, you're pushing this historic program, asked to help with this transition and, and do what you can. Uh, oh, by the way, you can't go out recruiting because of COVID. And you can't bring anybody on campus. Right. So uh, we had a lot of things uh, that we've, you know, been put in front of us, and we just kept grinding and working. Um, and our staff just did a great job, and, and we connected with her and her family. They've never been to Montana. Uh, we had to get creative on how we're going to bring Montana to her. So it, it worked out. And I know on a Sunday morning I'm walking around on campus doing a virtual tour with my phone. Uh, to the buildings that I could get into. I can't even get in all the buildings, right? So I have to go through our facilities. And and, uh, and then and then the, probably the best part of the story is, you know, we're texting her and back and forth, and she says, uh, hey, Coach, can I, can I get have a meeting with you guys? Uh, I got some more questions. My family has some questions. And this is something that normally happens. Okay, sure. So we set up a time. Uh, this was late last week. And so, of course, all of us are organizing our day, and we – we go to FaceTimer, our group, from our different locations, and when it came up, the whole family's wearing Montana sweatshirts. And uh, nice. Dad had overnighted them from uh, the campus bookstore, I guess. And they're there, and she said, I don't have any questions. I'm just telling you I'm coming to Montana. And we were all, of course, all excited. So I think the story of how it happened is even more fun. And uh, it's just been funny uh, for her to, you know, they can't wait to get here. They have to wait till the travel restrictions are uh, lifted, of course, but they, they plan on coming out here to check things out, and get organized for her off-campus uh, housing and so forth. One thing that Ryan and I both really enjoy is just dissecting and learning about the various coaching trees, and we just got done releasing our Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast, all about the men's basketball program. And it Which, was so... by the way, can I just say how much how great those are, guys? I love those. Well, those thank you. Great. Thank those you so excellent. much. Uh, Nate Colville, 
uh, was the first to tell me about these, and you know, and then I started listening to them, and they're they're excellent. I love them. I just yeah, want to say that. Well, it, it was it was certainly a blast to do, and and again, shout out to all the coaches who took the time to be a part of it. But that was that was a lot of fun, and and some great stories in there, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I love studying that element of it, though. And then when you look at the Montana women's basketball program, it's so interesting because there was such incredible stability for the Lady Grizz for so mm-hmm. long. I mean, Robin Selvig basically had the exact same staff from when Shannon Schwain mm-hmm. first joined his staff the year after she got done playing until Robin Selvig retired. So, ironically, he doesn't actually even really have a coaching tree. And then, you know, when Coach Selvig steps down, Shannon takes over. And Annette Rosslow and, and Trish Deuce uh, step away from the game altogether. So there's really no coaching tree whatsoever. But there's so much consistency there in terms of recruiting. But the Lady Grizz never really went outside of that blueprint. Is there an element for you of excitement of kind of maybe able being able to go outside of that and maybe not just recruit the, the Pacific Northwest and go to places like Missouri, go to junior colleges and, and kind of put your own stamp on it? Well, first of all, I think that uh... – you know, I think Coach Selvig's tree doesn't just limit to the coaches. I think that he's had players that have gone on to coaching. I would consider that part of it. Sure. Uh, I think I think that there's a there's a you know uh, dozens and dozens of programs that would take 38 years of Robin Selvig and having no players like Shannon and and uh, you know the success they've had is pretty unparalleled. So you know, everybody's different as far as the game evolving and stuff. You know, obviously, you know, kids today. Remember how many kids never left the state? growing up, right? They just play in their local state. Nowadays, kids are traveling with AU. They're traveling all over. So distance isn't a factor. You know, I know last year I I went to Atlanta to, for a tournament. Everyone's like, man, you guys are recruiting kids in Georgia? No, we're, we're recruiting kids from Washington, Idaho. They just happen to be playing in Atlanta. Right. So I had to go there and watch them. So today it's just it's just more, you know, kids are traveling anywhere over. So you have to watch that. And then when I was at Wyoming, you know, the junior college route is a, is a viable option in the sense that um, you know, there are kids there, and, and I'll tell you what, when a kid goes to junior college, when they put those two years in, those long bus trips, they, they really love basketball, right? They really love it, and they're chasing their dream, um, and it's a great thing. And also, there's kids who are kids that are from different country who come in. They can't, they're not, they don't qualify for American four-year school, so they go that route. So there's, there's great stories there. You just got to find them. Um, you know, I think that what, what we did was when we had this situation happen three weeks ago, we knew – okay, we've got uh, some definite spots on our roster, right, upper class. We have five freshmen coming in. The decision we had to make and uh, what I saw our staff was, hey, we don't need to get younger. We already have five kids coming in. Uh, the last thing we need to do is get six, seven, eight in one class. So we need to get older, and our plan was to get older, more experienced kids to balance out our roster, and, uh, and that's what we tried to do. And that's what we're doing now, and, and we, you know, we've got good things happening uh, with the addition of Hannah, and and hopefully we're able to announce some more good news here later too. Um, but that's what, that was our plan. So we just went that option. Now we're, gonna, we're not going to take anybody. You know, there's a lot of kids out there. We're not going to take anybody. We're going to have to find the right pieces. And we just felt like there was a neat assessment there, and that Hannah brings experience, and she fills a need, uh, especially with three-point shooting, and that's something we wanted to address. So that's how we got there. Mike. We're not going to wait. We're going to cover everywhere. We're going to look everywhere. <laughs> 
Mike Petrino joining us, the interim head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz women's basketball team. And uh, coach, I want to ask you about going, you know, into the future and what it looks like here in the off season and, and into next year for you. But I want to take you back a little bit. You referenced, you know, of course, you you take over under an unforeseen and adverse circumstance, and uh, the coach that brought you in and the reason you're at Montana in the first place is let go, mm-hmm. and that you know is obviously you know has got to be tough emotionally in all these different ways for for everybody involved, certainly for you. And then you find out well, you you know now the program is going to be in your hands for the foreseeable future which is a great thing and you know you got to be excited to be the head coach so take us through that what was that like that 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 process there just for you personally trying to sort of wrap your head around everything that was going on no it, it was a very emotional day that day um unexpected and you know you're right shannon brought uh me in here uh i have great respect for shannon she was a wonderful player i know she worked very hard as a head coach um, you know, we had some unfortunate things happen that first year, um, and, uh, with challenges of injuries and so forth, uh, there's a lot of good things that obviously she has three decades of, um, efforts in this program and she's going to go down the greatest player in the history. Uh, I, you know, for who knows how long, I mean, it's hard to argue not the greatest player in the history of the school, but the league, right? No doubt. Hall of Fame, everything. No so there's great respect there. And she brought Nate in, she brought Jordan in, all of our players in. So. You know, one minute you think the future's over, and then, you know, time later on in the night, you find out this opportunity. And, yeah, I, I guess uh, I can sleep at night knowing that I gave, you know, our, our loyalty was a Shannon. We did. We worked really hard. Uh, now we're trying to help these kids through this difficult transition. Um, there's kids on the team that you helped recruit that you know we have a relationship with. And uh, we're just trying to help them through this. And our, our job is to create the best team we can and create an experience that uh, they'll remember, uh, especially during these adverse times. And you know, that's the challenge of it. So, um, you know, I've, I've been, I've seen a situation happen before where this happens and it's, it's hard. Uh, coaching is a hard business, especially at the college level. So it's a difficult t- situation and we're just trying to make the best of it for the kids. Cause that's what it's about. It's about the program and the kids. And that's what our efforts are for. When you take over a program, obviously there's all sorts of different ways to go about doing things, and maybe not one, one doesn't have to be right for the other to be wrong and vice versa. A lot of times there's just different ways of doing things. But in your mind, what's the biggest change the Lady Grizz program needs to make uh, going forward? Well, I think once we, once we finish uh, putting together a roster, uh, then you just look at your, what you have. And, you know, I said before, you know, 27 years of coaching, I know what I am, I know what I'm not. i got to be myself. Uh, we have a great staff. Uh, we're going to do this together. Uh, we've had very positive talks with our current members of our team. Um, we've kept in good touch with them. And even though we were all over, that's the other part of this transition too. You're, you're, it's not like you can take the kids in the gym and, and do some things and work out and things. You know, we're, we're all, they're all spread out, right? We're all doing the Zoom thing when we can. And, um, and, and we're going to make sure they're staying on top of their school and so forth. So, you know, I think what we got to do is finish putting our roster together um, we do have a plan. Um, you know, I know I'm just giving a lot of coach speak here, but it really is true. We got to do that first, develop our identity. Uh, we got some great pieces that we have that we can build off of, add some experience. And then we're very excited about our five kids coming in. We just want to put them in a position that's best for them and for our team and our program. So uh, they're going to come in hungry too. I think everybody's coming in with some uh, excitement. Everyone's going to come in with some, uh, with a, you know, something to prove. Um, and again, we're going to, you know, not focus on what's not there. We're going to focus on what is there. And we feel like we have some really good things that we can uh, potentially do and develop and gel and see what we can do when we get out come uh, game time. 
hoping that we do have games, of course, too. No you know, that's in the back of mind, too. You know, this is a, this is the reality of it. Um, every day, you know, you hear more and more, and we have no idea to predict the future of what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, what's got to happen is we got to open up our everyday life and get back to as normal as we can first. Uh, all those sports are obviously secondary. They do serve an important purpose. And, uh, you know, we have to get our kids back in school, both at the local level and the university level. You mentioned that coaching is a tough business, and it, it certainly is, no doubt. But it's also one that seems to be uh, so prevalent in your family. So the fact that, I mean, you come from this family of coaches, you know, starting with Putter Petrino and his awesome building of the Carroll College football program, and then, you know, all the different varieties of Petrinos that are football coaches all across the country. I mean, why has coaching been so influential in your family? You know, I get asked that before, and what the the reality of it is, is I can't ever remember any relative of mine saying you should go into coaching. <laughs> you know, it, it was never like. Uh, in fact, I think the older ones try to talk you out of it <laughs> at, when you're young, and every every one of our stories is different. You know, mine was I just started coaching one year at, at age twenty. You know, I don't have a all American college background like some other players but i started coaching youth basketball and then that turned into high school which then turned into you know 18 years later going to college and um i, I guess it's just a and being an educator too i taught for 12 years i loved it um i don't know there's something about having that the challenge of teaching an individual in a team setting that uh i don't know what it is um you know, there are definitely players. Uh, we have family members. One of them is my uh, cousin, who's in town here. He's he's a he's a he went to dental school and he's an endodontist. And I always say he's the smartest Petrino in the family because you know he's <laughs> he does that for a living versus coaching. But uh, uh, he's uh, you know very successful in what he does and uh, very supportive of our, of our programs here at the university. But uh, I don't know. There were, there wasn't like a, a thing. You know, my brothers and I we talk a lot. Uh, my cousins, you know, I, I talked to I talked to Paul. Uh, I've gotten to know Paul more. Some I don't really talk to very often. Um, you know, I have a Kyle Sampson, the new coach at Tech. He's uh, he's married to a Petrino. Uh, I talked to him, um, and I love studying coaches too. I think it's fun studying coaches. I love going to practice. You know, I've sat in Coach Decure's practice. I've sat in Coach Houck's, uh meetings and, and practice. I, I love studying practice. I think that's really fun to do. I think you always learn watch, watching educators work. Uh, that's one of the things I love the most. I love talking to football coaches. Football coaches are so organized because if you think about the number of bodies they have and the time they have, uh, I love studying coaches that do that. You know, I just how they maximize, how they get kids to work in a team setting. I think it's fascinating to study that. Mike Petrino joining us, head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz. And coach, last thing here for you for me is is as you go in through this offseason and into next year, and you already kind of set up for us what – you, what needs to happen first in terms of getting the players in and getting it set the way you want to go. But when you talk about just navigating the program as a whole for this space and then see, you know, kind of what happens on the other side of it, what to you is the, the, the priority for you in, in terms of the expectation of what you want to have happen for this season and then maybe for yourself and your staff beyond that? Well, I, again, I, I give great credit to, uh, you know, Jordan, Nate, and Jace. We've, you know, it, it's a very difficult, difficult situation. Um, you know, but we are very fully committed, invested to doing the best job we can. Um, this week is a week where it's dead week, right? So we can't actually, uh, we have weekly meetings 
but we can't actually do that right now right um because of the dead week but we, but that doesn't stop us from working we're we're analyzing our last year uh we're putting things together we definitely are putting out a thing in place of how we're going to maximize look at different ideas uh, i think you study the game um we're excited about doing that and i think what we have to do is you know develop our philosophy together uh we, we're laying out a, a vision and one that we're sharing with the kids we go and then we get here and then it's going to take a lot of work you know a lot of work on uh you know, individual commitment and shared ownership. That's what we're telling our kids. You know, everyone's committed right now to working out as much as they can. Um, you know, shared ownership that we're all in this together. We're going to do this together. Um, you know, there's things that we want to get better at. We're going to analyze who we are, what we think our strengths are, what areas we've got to improve on. And then, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of things we're going to do the same in the past, but there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be different just because of our personalities. And, you know, we're excited about playing with that. We're excited about doing that in this fall. Hopefully get it work out do that and go out there and uh, uh, put it all together. And, you know, I, I can tell you that I've talked to the kids consistently and um, they're motivated, they're fired up. They want to uh, put something together, a special season for us, and, and we're excited for that. And uh, it'll, it'll, it won't be easy, but it's just going to be simple habits every day and moving forward. That's what we're doing. We'll get you out of here on this, put you on the spot. Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Oh, come on. That's the easiest question we've asked him right there. <laughs> the easiest question wow. we've asked him. Wow. Well, here's the here's the deal. Why can't we just enjoy both of them? That's like, my whole thing. That's what I said the whole first segment. I love it. Why can't we enjoy greatness on both of them? Like, I, I think they're both phenomenal. Like, obviously, if you have to pick one, you can do that, but... Uh, if, you, if you want to make me pick one, I will. But I just appreciate both of them. I think they're, they're fantastic. Hey, you like you got you got the answer exactly right for Coulter and probably for me as well on that one. That is uh, that is the truth. You know, Mike, we appreciate. Yeah, I, I think they're, I think they're both they're both excellent. I I, I just the, the the series right now, the first four episodes have been great. I can't wait for Sunday. Uh, this actually reminds me of remember this. Is, this actually reminds me of what it was like when we grew up, right? You actually had to wait. Mm-hmm. That's right for the show. That's right. You know, the anticipation now, yeah, there's no, like, just, you know, run through all in one night, right? We have to actually wait now. It's, it's, uh, it brings back the old days, right? Can we say that? Is that too? (laughs) (laughs) You can say it, and it is, it is a fact, no doubt about it. Hey, coach, we appreciate you being on, uh, and, and best of luck to you as we go. I know it's a tough spot, but also uh, an exciting one, and maybe one that's got some great potential in it as well. So we wish you the best here in this off season, and then as we get around the corner, and you know, hopefully have a season, which I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm saying it's happening, okay? It's going to do it. Uh, but uh, we wish you the absolute best. We'll look forward to catching up with you again soon, okay? Guys, thanks for the time. And that's what makes Missoula so special is that we have a great fan base and, and we can tell people from all the way over in Missouri that we got great fans, that it's a priority here. And uh, it's just not words. It's actually backed up by our, our media and our fan base. So thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. Mike Petrino. Interim head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz women's basketball team and uh, is trying to get things sorted out, get the roster filled out, and uh, has started to do that with Hannah Thurman, again, as a, a transfer in from a Rivers, a Three Rivers College excuse me, in Missouri, and, uh, and will continue to do so as well. I have no doubt we'll see how this thing builds and shakes out. I think this there's there's probably never been as much unknown about Montana Lady Grizz basketball as there is right now. Yep. And 
when it's known because it's been so great, that's a good thing. And some people, you know, face the unknown with with you know being wary or anxious or maybe you know in, in some some modicum of fear. But I think that you know in a situation, the situation is what it is. And you can think about that whatever you want to, and that's fine in terms of just the program as it stands because this is what it is now. You know, Mike Petrino and his staff, that's the staff that's going to be there for this year. There's great opportunity in that, or at least potential to be great opportunity in that, even when, you know, the circumstances are not good and are, are in some people's estimation, bleak as well. Maybe they are. But I think the the, the fact that you have the unknown makes the, the unexpected the only thing that can happen because there's nothing to expect. And I think there I would, I would uh, uh, look at that as being a good thing in a lot of ways. No question. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I've been thinking about this Lady Grizz situation so much, obviously, because it is absolutely the news of the day. But it's also just, to me, something that's been a huge part of my life and my career, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was thinking about when you have someone like Robin Selvig step away, whoever takes over for him is going to be facing such an unbelievable challenge, no matter what. Sure. And then when you factor in that person being the all-time greatest player in the history of the conference, it actually sets up a, a truly unprecedented situation. I was really trying to think. Like, this would be like if Shamiqua Holesclaw or Tamika Catchings took over for Pat Summit at Tennessee. Right. There's 10 million ways it could not go perfectly well and only one way that it could go perfectly well. And that is why I think we're in the situation that we're in. And I think that we can analyze things until we're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, Shannon Kate Schwain taking over for Robin Selvig was um, and it, going to be an enormous challenge. And I just always wondered, because if you try to replicate exactly what Coach Selvig did, and, and if you're Shannon Schwain, that's all you've ever really known, is coaching under Robin Selvig and that program, the program you played for, the program you've been a part of for 30 years, oh, of course you're going to try to do the same thing. But a, a lot of times, no matter how close we are and how close we are to situations, you can't replicate what someone did well, before and, you. And you're completely different people. I mean, they're right. a man and a woman, a different generation, totally. a generation apart from one another. The personality, right. the experience, like, you, you know, this and, and no can't one, be the same. And it's no gonna one's ever going to replicate what Robin Selvig did. Of course. I mean, th- I mean he, the guy is a wizard for taking, quite frankly, young ladies of average talent and making them phenomenal players and phenomenal team players and just the magic that went mm-hmm. along with being a Lady Grizz is, is phenomenal. So I guess my point is that I think Mike Petrino, just in terms of where he comes from and and what he, what he is, is actually a great fit for this program because he has Montana roots. He understands the Montana fabric. He has great reverence for the, the legacy of the program, mm-hmm. but he's also not directly from this. He's been other places. He's coached in the Pac-12. He's coached in the Mountain West. So now he can actually help them break out of the, the same – I mean, they had the same formula for 42 years. Right. It worked wonderfully, but sometimes you have to recast the formula. It's not 1983 anymore. That's right. Yeah. And so the fact that I think that they went to Missouri and got a junior college player, it's a big step. I mean, in point. reality, they haven't got they've only had one junior college player this whole century. So this is a huge thing that no they doubt. went out and got somebody. No doubt. no doubt. And a great story too. How about that? The uh, overnight in the sweatshirts and they just come on the thing. Hey, it's done deal. We're going. It's cool. Hey, uh, it's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Quick break. We'll do some NFL free agency with the quarterbacks. Andy Dalton is on the market. How big a wave does that make? We'll ask that question next. 
At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. We are a little late on this one, but what would you expect? Stu Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. LeBron no, I would James. Nothing less. Yes. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Mike Petrino. Well, I mean, You're, of course I mean, we're late. We, we, we shouldn't. Yeah, That's why a, now that I make the outline, I don't even put anything in segment three because I just know that we're going to have to get in, get out, and go to number four. NFL free agent quarterbacks. Jameis Winston to the Saints. Taysom Hill gets $16 million guaranteed. Andy Dalton is now available, and Cam Newton is still available. Which of those things do you want to talk about? Pick one. Wow. Let's talk about – I want to talk about all of them later. So let's talk about Jameis Winston right now. What do you okay. think of that signing? Because the, the things that – I think the biggest knock on Jameis Winston for his entire career is the fact that he was a, a sort of prodigy. I mean, the guy was the number one recruit in the nation coming out of high school. A guy that could have gone professionally, he could have gone pro in baseball right out of high school. That's right. And his arm was, you know, the stuff of legend in the South. And then he goes to Florida State and brings this storied program who'd have had a lull lately all the way to the national title. And then I think that he's like a lot of young men. When you don't when you achieve so much so young and you don't have to get knocked down, then I think you have a hard time accepting any sort of authority, any sort of mentorship. But I think the moves that Jameis Winston has made in the offseason, whether it was you know, with a certain level of humility, being okay with what happened in Tampa Bay, to the fact that he acknowledged that maybe I don't see so well, I'm going to go get some my eyes fixed, to then now the fact that he signed in New Orleans in a place where he's certainly going to be the backup for at least a year to learn under a Hall of Fame quarterback. To me, those are the things that I wanted to see because I'm on Team Jameis. I'm, I know I'm in the vast minority when it comes to that. I think the kid is still incredibly talented. And you can say, okay, he already played for Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer. He didn't figure it out. I still think he has a big-time chance to figure it out, I, and I hope he does. I love this signing so much for for Jameis. Right. On on a, a bunch of different levels, some of which you touched on. But first of all, quarterbacks who come in and play in our starters and don't can't keep that job – seem to be immediately relegated to, well, you're just a backup in the league at best, or maybe you're out entirely. That said, part of that to me is that there's a bunch of quarterbacks who were starters that just can't swallow the pill, like you've talked about, Mm -hmm. of, hey, you know what? I wasn't very good. I need to get better. I need to learn how to get better. Can I get better? Where Where do I need to go to get better? And Jameis Winston making this choice bespeaks that level of humility to me uh, from a football standpoint, which I think is really, first of all, necessary for him. And second of all, uh, uh, talks about his frame of mind, like where he's at with himself as a player and what he's prepared to do to continue being a professional. Right. The other thing that I think is at play here is 
we've seen a lot of guys who aren't who who are mediocre at the at the NFL level. They're all great, right? But mediocre quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jameis Winston is one of the few that is has been has been both. He's not e- he's not even. He's either great or awful, or sometimes great and awful in the same sense. He threw 30 interceptions. Absolutely unacceptable. Cannot have it. Can't win games doing it. He also threw 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, all pro caliber quarterbacking. So they're both in him to do it, and I think that teams see that. It's like it would have been so much worse for him if he would have just thrown 15 touchdowns and eight interceptions. People have been like, nah, he's he's not good enough. But people go, well, this guy is good enough. This guy doesn't have a place in the CFL. What are we going to do here? The other thing that I love is it's a one-year deal. Go there, figure it out for a season if you can, and then you're going to have one shot somewhere, presumably, to try and to try and do it and do it again. And I think a team will give him a look to be their guy somewhere. So... I like the fact that he's done this, and I think it were. And obviously, okay, I agree with you. The Bruce Arians thing is the biggest indictment to me because I, I think I think the world of Bruce Arians in general, and certainly his quarterback acumen. So if he's saying what he said about Jameis, that is to me the biggest red flag of all this. But if but ever also, there was a place you could go, Sean Payton and Drew Brees, pretty good. And there's also just an element just just because someone is a phenomenal teacher for a specific type of student does not mean that they're a phenomenal teacher for all types Fact. of students. That's a good point. I mean, on, point. Bruce Arians is certainly a quarterback guru, but it's also pretty darn easy to get through to Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning showing up half an hour early for class, ready to sit in the front row and take every note. You could ever imagine. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, I still don't think though that the willingness to learn is Jameis Winston's issue. Like, no. I haven't ever felt that he's been obstinate about being uh, but taught. The, the fact that he signed a contract with only a hundred forty-eight thousand dollars signing bonus. I mean, the, the contract itself is for one point three million dollars total. Yeah. yeah, crazy that Taysom Hill is getting paid fifteen times the amount that Jameis Winston is getting yeah. paid by the same franchise. That in itself, we'll talk about that later this week. But I think that he could have straight up not gone anywhere. He could have held out, said, Teddy Bridgewater is getting $20 million. Why can't I? Yeah. The right, fact right, that right. he took this is a moment to me of self-actualization that's for right. Jameis Winston. That's he right. realized, I need some help if I want to achieve my full potential. And that's why I think it's, it could be amazing for him. Because I personally think the kid is amazingly talented still. I want to see him succeed. It's 2 Till Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, Hour 1 in the books, Hour 2 straight ahead. Sammy Akem, senior wide receiver for the Montana Grizzly football team, had a great conversation with him on Zoom earlier today. We'll bring that to you. You do not want to miss this. I promise you, this is a great one next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 